it's the first time in a long time or, or uh, uh, you're here every week, we're glad that you're here today. This is the first week of a series that we're doing, a brand new series called Everyone Gets to Play. And I'm excited about it because it's really for everyone here. Every person here is, is uh, this is going to apply, or this applies to. So um, I'm glad you're here at the start of it. Now, when we think of, often when we think of the Christian faith, we think in terms of a set of beliefs, right? We think that the Christian faith, we, you know, if we say we're Christian, then we adhere to a certain set of beliefs. Um, you know, whether, whatever denomination you belong to, whatever group you belong to, in order to be considered a Christian, there are certain cardinal doctrines of the faith that define us. Um, for example, Christians believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe in Jesus, the Son of God. They believe He was crucified. They believe He, he died and was buried and that He rose from the dead on the third day. To be a Christian means that you believe in those basic things, and there's some other things as you go farther out from the center, but, but yeah, it, it, it's a set of beliefs. But it also means so much more than just a set of beliefs. It's a lifestyle. Christianity is a lifestyle. The things we believe affect the things that we do, the way that we live. And that's for all of us, not just a few, that's for all of us. What we believe affect the way we live. And that's whether you're Christian or not, though. That whether you're Christian or not, the things that you believe are going to be the things that are lived out in your lives. If you don't live it out, then you don't believe it, whether you say you do or not. And that's true for every one of us. Um, uh, now, a key passage, if you've been around the Vineyard Movement at all, a key passage in the Vineyard Movement is uh, that, that forms the practices of the Vineyard Movement is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Many of this uh, many of you will find this familiar. It starts in verse 11, says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The Vineyard Movement has always been about equipping God's people to do His work from its very inception. It's always been about equipping God's people to do the things that Jesus did, to do the work of God. John Wimber is a, kind of the spiritual father of the Vineyard Movement, and several times you know, I heard him tell the story where he says, you know, when he came to Christ and started attending church <clears throat> out of a totally unchurched background, you know, so he, 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 he comes to Christ in a, a faith in Christ in a, a, a Bible study in someone's home that the friends had invited him to. Then he started attending church with them. And after several weeks of coming to church and, you know, they're singing and they're, they're hearing a sermon and so forth, several weeks of this, he went up to his friend and he asked him who had... Uh, his friend who had told him about Jesus and brought him to church, and he asked him, when do we get to do the stuff? And his friend replied, what stuff? He said, the stuff in this book. When do we get to do the stuff in this book? And his friend answered with, oh, we don't do it. We just talk about it. 
And, you know, Wimber's famous reply, you know, I gave up drugs for this. You know, um, uh, one, of the, one of the distinctives of the Vineyard Movement is that we are a movement of people who want to learn to live like Jesus lived. Not simply believe what he believed. Not simply believe what he taught. We want to live like he lived. He came to show us how to live, all of us, not just some of us. And that's where the phrase that, that uh, uh, comes from, that's the title of the series, Everyone Gets to Play. Because if we're followers of Jesus, it means not just believing what he believed, but walking in his footsteps and doing the things that he did. See, Jesus never said, go and make believers of all nations. Do you realize that? He never said, go and make believers of all nations. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is someone who follows a person around, learning to do what they do, and to live like they live. That's what a disciple is. And Jesus is in the business of training disciples. And he wants to know something. He wants to know, are you available? That's what he's asking us. Are you available to live like Jesus lived? We're going to look at something that Jesus said toward the end of his earthly ministry. It's, it's a little bit long, but I want, to, I want to read this. I feel it's important. Matthew 25 Starting in verse 31, Jesus said, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he'll separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on his right hand and the goats at his left. Sorry, those of you that are on my left. You're not goats, but for purposes of following what Jesus said, um, you know, goats at his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those in the, 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 these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left. Again, sorry, those on my left. Turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison. You didn't visit me. And then, he, and then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he'll answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. The thing I want to notice in that passage, feeding the hungry, giving something to drink to someone who's thirsty, showing hospitality to a stranger, giving clothes to those who don't have enough, taking care of the sick, visiting those who are in prison, 
those aren't all things Jesus was telling them that they should know. They're representative of the things that disciples are to do, and specifically things that involve interaction with other people, showing love to other people, showing love to the hurting, serving other people, showing love by serving. The question is, are you and I available to Jesus for him to use to touch the various situations in people's lives around us? Does what we say translate into what we actually do with our hands and where we go with our feet? Does what we say we believe actually translate into that? Here's, here, here's the thing to consider. You see, when we say we're available, availability has a price tag associated with it. When you and I get involved in the, the pain and the mess of people's lives, it costs something. It costs us. Sometimes it's in the form, uh, it's in the form of time spent because it's not always convenient for us. You might end up missing out on something you had planned to do because Jesus taps you on the shoulder and says, I need you over here. Other times there's a financial cost, something that takes faith and takes uh, a, a real sacrifice. Sometimes it's an emotional cost. You know, any, anytime you get involved in the pain of people's lives, you risk getting hurt yourself because I think as we've all experienced in our own lives before, Hurting people tend to hurt other people, people around them. So that's, there's an emotional cost there. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a relational cost. When you make yourself available for Jesus to use you, not everybody in your life, not all your friends, not all your family is going to be excited for you. Not everybody's going to be happy about it. Anytime you make a decision to go deeper in your walk with Christ and get closer to Him, there is going to be some people close to you who, do, who don't understand, tell you, well, you're getting to be a fanatic. Well, you're going kind of overboard with this, aren't you? You're getting kind of carried away. Let someone else do that. You don't really need to do that. But being a disciple means being available to Jesus and that means sometimes learning to say no to your own desires and no to people around you who have their own plan for your life. Because people around you have a plan for your life, but so does Jesus. And being a disciple means being available to Jesus when his plan conflicts with our own plan or with the plans of people around us. Because that's what a disciple does. He or she makes themselves available to their discipler. When you become a follower of Jesus, you now become his hands and his feet. And his plan is to touch people's lives through you. Just the way he set it up. That's, what, that's why he, he created this thing called the church. He brought us together. His plan is to touch people's lives through you and through me. So the question is, are we available to him? Can he tap your shoulder and say, here's what I want you to do. Go to this person who has no voice and be a voice for them. 
Or go by that person who's grieving, who's, who has suffered a tremendous loss. Good, just go and stand with them and be with them and comfort them as they grieve their loss. Don't worry about what to say, just be with them. Or I want you to call this person and offer them to, to, to help them work on a problem that they're going through, a problem that they're struggling with without judging them. I want you to listen to them and I want you to help them encourage them. Maybe he taps you on the shoulder and says, this person has no advocate. I want you to go and be an advocate for them. See, discipleship is more than learning, just learning truths. It's also learning to do. Now, let's look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? What did he do? Acts chapter 10 verse 38 sums it up pretty well. It says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus went around doing good to people. How did he do good to people? What are some of the things that, that he did? I've got four things here, and they're not in your outline, so you can just jot them down. Four things that Jesus did with, with people that... The, uh, and how he helped them. One, he welcomed them. That's where it started. He welcomed people. He didn't have a litmus test for who he was going to welcome. He welcomed everyone. But he was especially known for welcoming those who were not welcome elsewhere. Jesus welcomed people who others pushed out of the way. The poor, the marginalized, outsiders, the sexually broken or confused, Doubters, the sick, as well as the well-off and influential like Nicodemus. He welcomed people who didn't have their lives all together, like you and like me. People who were very different from him. See, Jesus was able to look past the differences and past the brokenness and past the mess of their lives and see the person underneath all of that, a person who was created in the image of God. And he calls you and me to do the same thing. Second, Jesus healed people. He announced the arrival of the kingdom of God, and he demonstrated it by healing people. He said, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has arrived. And then he Back that up by demonstrating the power of the kingdom by healing people, among other things. I mean, sometimes as you read through the Gospels and the book of Acts, mark, maybe get a different color highlighter than you normally use or circle it or something, but mark every single time that it talks about Jesus or the disciples healing someone. I did that with a Bible I got a, a, a few years ago. I, I read through, and as I read through, I, read, I, I, I highlighted in orange every single time that it talks about Jesus healing someone or the disciples healing someone. You know what? Gospel and Book of Acts got a lot of orange in them. It's the, the, there, there's a lot. Healing is a major demonstration that the kingdom of God is here. It's a major part of, of his ministry because it demonstrated that God's rule had come. By showing that Jesus had authority over sickness, over demons, over nature, and even over death itself. He healed people. And he calls you and me to do the same thing. 
third thing Jesus did with people is he discipled people. Jesus taught his followers to do the things he was doing. And Luke tells him all about this, in, uh, or tells us all about this in his gospel. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus called the 12 apostles, told them to go out and drive out demons and cure diseases. These 12 guys that have been following him says that, okay, now I'm sending you out, you're to cure diseases, you're to drive out demons, you're going to do all the stuff that, that you've been watching me do. So as they had watched him do it, now he was sending them out to do the same thing. Sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And that's exactly what they did. And in uh, Luke 9, 6, it says, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. The disciples, the apostles did this. Then in Luke chapter 10, the next chapter, he sends them out again. Only this time, instead of a group of 12, he sends out a group of 72 of them in pairs. And he told them, go and heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's the rule of God. In other words, tell them that God has come, he's taking over, and then go heal the, and, and then heal the sick. That's in effect what it was. Jesus discipled people. He taught them to do. He showed them and he taught them to do. And then he sent them out to do the same thing. And he calls us to do the same thing. So he welcomed people. He healed people. He discipled people. And then once he discipled them, the fourth thing he did was he commissioned them. He commissioned them. He did it when he sent out the 12. He did it when he sent out the 72. And then in his final words to the disciples before he ascended to heaven... In Matthew 28, he says this, I've, given them all, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. See, with the commissioning, we've been given authority. When Jesus said, you know, he, he, he said, I've been given all authority, and now I'm giving that to you. He gives it to us. That's what commissioning is. Commissioning is the act of granting authority to somebody. So before he went to heaven, one of the last things he said to the disciples just before he went up, he said, look, I've been given all authority. Now you, I give you that authority. <laughs> Go out and do the things and teach others teach people all over the world to do the things that you saw me do and that I taught you to do, teach those things to others and have them do it and have them teach to others and have them do it and they can teach it to others and they can do it and on and on and on. We've been commissioned to do the things that Jesus did, things he modeled and taught his disciples to do, to welcome people, to heal the sick, to disciple others, and to commission them on down the line. That's what we're to do. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to be his disciples. That is what we're going to do. So the question for us becomes this. Are you ready and am I ready to join the revolution? Because that's exactly what it is. It is the overthrow of the rule Satan has over the lives of people and to see the kingdom of God take over and begin to rule people's lives instead. It's an overthrow of the power of darkness in people's lives and letting the rule and the reign of God come in and take over. 
Let's look at a passage we referenced earlier. Are we ready for this? Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2 says, Now, the Lord now chose 72 others and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Okay, we talked about that. These were his instructions to them. It says, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. It's interesting that when he tells them there's a lot of harvest and not enough people, and he says, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask them to ask him to send more laborers out in the field. As he's saying that, what's he doing? He's sending them out into the field to do the things that he did. So they were the answers to his prayer. We are to pray that as we go out. As we go out and do the things that Jesus did. Lord, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of people that don't know you. There's a lot of people whose lives are bound up by Satan. There's a lot of people who are, who are just under, uh, 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 under Satan's tyrannical rule, and they need to be, they need to be rescued. They need to be delivered. They need to be, to be healed. They need, they, 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 they need to know your love. And, 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 and I'm going out like you said, but Lord, send others with me. Let me take others alongside with me. That's the effect of that prayer. It's not just to sit and say, boy, Lord, there sure is a whole lot to do. Why don't you go send somebody to do it? No, that's a prayer of people to be prayed by people who are going out and and being an answer to the very prayer that they're praying. The harvest is great. The workers are few. There's a lot to do. We need more workers in the field, more disciples doing the stuff, not just hearing the teaching, but doing the stuff. And the thing is, God is not looking for perfect people or people who have a lot of professional training, people with a natural aptitude. Well, yeah, that person can go because they're just a real people person. They're a really outgoing personality, and and yeah, yeah, of course, they can go. It's not what he's looking for. He's looking for people who love him and are willing to, to look at what he did and go out and try it themselves. I want to wrap this up with a blog post that I came across this week. This was written by uh, a girl that when a few weeks ago, Susie and I went to um, uh, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois uh, for the School of Kingdom Ministry leadership training. And we met someone there who, who writes a blog, and, and this just came across uh, my path uh, that she wrote this past week. And um, it's a, just try to follow along with me. It's written by Lauren. Lauren lives in the Chicago area, and this is what she wrote, or what she writes. I drove into the city this morning for a work video shoot. On the way down, I listened to one of my favorite podcasts from Passion City Church. In it, Pastor Louis Giglio shared how anxiety had been a story for much of his life. He joked that his dad was an Olympic gold medal worrier, and he caught the same genes. (laughs) 
We shot our first take in front of the Millennial Park Bean. I didn't realize it is, exactly, it is actually named Cloudgate until I had to get a video permit to film that last week. And she's got this picture of it here. It's like this great big silver looks like a bean. Yeah, anyway. And as soon as we started, a petite blonde girl about my age came up to us with a uh, baby in a stroller. Are you guys believers, she asked. Yes, we said, smiling, and we introduced ourselves. She said, I'm Lindsay. I was walking by and felt like God wanted me to come over and pray for you. I heard you say the word God in your video, but I wasn't sure if it was in a positive or negative way, but I felt like God asked me to come pray for you and for whatever you're doing today, so I came over even though I was totally scared. I'm new at praying out loud, she said. I stumble over my words a lot, but I'm trying. And she started to pray for us. After, we asked her where she was from. Atlanta, she said. I actually go to a church called Passion City, and my husband leads worship at one of the satellite campuses. I was just listening to Passion City Church podcast, and on my drive down here, I excitedly exclaimed, that's incredible. What brings you to Chicago? I asked, that's, that's Lauren speaking. She said, I was, um, okay, um, then it says, Lindsay was diagnosed with a form of precancer in her cervix. After doctors found abnormal cells in her uterus, Lindsay opted for treatment from one of the leading holistic medicine doctors in Chicago. I come up to Chicago every five weeks to visit a doctor for treatment, she shared. I'm confident that I'm getting better. And throughout the morning, our film crew asked people their thoughts about society's biggest issues today. Racism, immigration, gender identity, and more. We asked Lindsay if we could ask her, some, ask her some questions too. And as we wrapped up, Lindsay asked, Could I share with you how I began a relationship with Jesus? Yes. I was actually sold into the sex slave trade when I was 19, she said. Well, not sold, but misled into it. I was brought to Florida, and it was terrible. There was a pimp and everything. I wanted to escape, but I was afraid. One day a woman gave me a card on the street that said, God has not forgotten about you. I knew this was a turning point, and I got out of it. My family didn't want anything to do with me when I returned home. They thought I wanted to be a part of the sex trade. I felt so alone. I think God sometimes, I think sometimes God lets us be alone so we realize he's all we really need. I joined a church, and that's where I met my husband. We have three children. God rescued me. And now I'm hearing God's voice and his Holy Spirit promptings, and I'm trying to follow every day where he leads. That's why I came up to you guys. After exchanging contact information and praying a bit more, we departed. I stood there amazed. I know some people call things like this a coincidence, but I cannot help but see God's weaving things together. I'm so thankful for Lindsay's courage to reach out because she was easily the best part of my day. There is nothing in the world like feeling God prompt you in your gut to love someone in some way. You get the nudge. Your heart starts to race. Worry creeps in. Anxiety. What if? What if it's awkward? What if I say the wrong thing? But when you do it, when you make the phone call or give the hug or start the conversation, 
There's no rush like it. Even when you don't see the outcome, even when you stumble over your words, even when you feel ill-equipped, when you finally realize that the God of the universe asks you to be a part of his plan to bring his kingdom of love to someone on this earth, and you actually gave it a shot, you get a glimpse into the breathtakingly beautiful, abundant life that Jesus invites us all into. And it is so worth it. Joyfully, Lauren. Wow. So many things in there. Start with the fact that she was sex trafficked when she was 19. And she was rescued, redeemed by God. How? When someone gave her on the street, simply gave her a little card that said, God has not forgotten about you. She saw that as a turning point and he gave her the courage to be able to get out of that industry. I doubt the person who gave her that card ever found out what the result was. Probably just as far as she knows, she just gave someone a card on the street wondering whatever happened, never knowing. Someday she'll know. Someday we'll know. Now Lindsay is living every day, listening to the Holy Spirit promptings, pushing past the worry, not letting the anxiety stop her, not letting the questions linger in her mind and, and keep her from going ahead and, 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 and letting God use her. Pushing through all of that, she's being a disciple. She's learning to walk and to live like Jesus. Not just to believe certain things, but that those beliefs would be translated into her life. That's what Jesus wants to do with each one of us. That's what he wants each one of us to do. He, he wants me and he wants you. Who does Jesus call? You and me. Every one of us. He's calling. He's saying, follow me. He's saying, be my disciple. He's calling you to follow him. He's calling you to be his disciple. He's calling you to turn your life over to him. And say, okay, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing, but I trust you do. Come. Take me and I'll be yours. What are you going to say? I want everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. Being a disciple is more than just believing that Jesus 
the Son of God came to earth, lived among us, died for us, paid the price for all the wrong we've ever done, was buried and then rose from the dead. Being a disciple is having those beliefs transform our lives to where we will do what Jesus does. If you're ready this morning to say, I want to be a disciple, I want you to just slip up your hand right where you are. I don't want anybody looking around. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you stand up front. I'm not going to put you on the spot. This is between you and God. I just want to say, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Number of hands up all over. Yes. Then I want to invite you to pray with me. And I invite uh, uh, just, just everyone to, 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 to pray this with me. Jesus, I believe you died and rose from the dead. I believe you did it for me. I don't know why you would call me. You must love me an awful lot. Because I hear your call. And I want to follow you. So I'm saying yes. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me your ways. And help me to walk in them. Empower me to be your disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's a start, and it's a journey. And yes, you will feel, as you, as you sense, you know, just, just wake up every day and say, God, speak to me today. Show me what you want me to do. Show me where you want me to go. Show, you know, let me hear what you want me to, what you want me to hear. And, and, you know, just get in the habit of every single day. And then just live the day aware. Aware that the Holy Spirit is with you. Aware that, that uh, uh, he may want to use you at any moment. And, and when you get that prompting, pass, push through the fear push through the anxiety, push through the what-ifs, and just go for it. The most that could happen is if somebody know, or excuse me, the most, the worst that could happen is that somebody would know that you love them enough to take a risk to speak to them. They know that you care about them. Could that be so bad? The best thing that could happen is you'll see yourself, you'll see God use you in a way that is um, blow your mind. When when I think it was Lauren said, you know about the rush it is, it really is. What a rush when you know that God has used you in somebody's life in a significant way. Let's stand and let the worship team come up. Uh, we're going to go ahead. And